Welcome to episode 11 of In the Shadow of the Evening Trees. My name is David Van Ebers. And my name is Jennifer Van Ebers. And uh, this is our, um, as I said, 11th episode of our podcast. Woo! Sort of moving slowly, but getting off the ground a little bit at a time. Uh, so if you're listening, thank you very much. Thank you for following us and listening along. I thought, um, since we've talked about a fair amount of heavy things the last few weeks in particular, I thought it might make sense to, um, you know, change the topic a little bit, change the subject and not necessarily be so, uh, so down and so heavy. Um, and I was thinking about this, although this is actually very sad and it is heavy, but I was thinking about this after uh, the Foo Fighters drummer Taylor Hawkins died the other day unexpectedly while the band was on tour in South America. And uh, just listening to and seeing all these tributes different artists paid to him and so forth, uh, I started to think about how, you know, we should do an episode where we talk about some of our favorite artists. We've touched on that in the past. We've talked about a number of artists from time to time. But it's, uh, I think it's a good topic to delve into. And as we talked about in the past, I recorded um, an episode of a Bruce Springsteen um, podcast called Set Lusting Bruce that's going to be um, posted later in April and then I was a guest as well. Just last week Jennifer also recorded um, with Jesse Jackson our friend from the Set Lusting Bruce podcast. So our two episodes will air back to back probably towards the end of April. Um, so kind of on that topic, you know, when I when I did Jesse's podcast and, and on our podcast, I've talked a lot about Bruce's music and how it um, affected me and how I, you know, it was kind of important in my life. We're not. I don't want to go. I don't want to retread all of that. And we've talked a lot about Bruce, so it might be a good idea to talk about other artists and other people who've had influence. But I was really struck. Uh, I mean, it's a very sad thing when someone, you know, he's 50 years old. So, so it, you know, yeah, he, he, he's way too young to die, but also, um, you know, is old enough that he left behind a lot of, you know, a very large body of music that he worked on over the years with different artists, not just the Foo Fighters. But also, you know, he had uh, a family. He had still relatively young children and all that. So... I mean, not that there's any good time to die, because there just is, it <clears throat> just isn't. Pardon me, but uh, you know, it just kind of anybody's circumstances, um, you know, can present all kinds of problems. Anyway, it's very sad. But hearing all these different um, artists, I, you know, Miley Cyrus did a tribute to him in concert the other day. Um, the guys, the you know, um, Getty Lee from Rush uh, recorded a, a little tribute to him because uh, apparently he was a big, huge Rush fan, which I think is hilarious, although appropriate since he was a drummer. Yes. Um, and obviously Neil Peart was one of the greatest rock drummers of all time. Um, I saw Mick Jagger, you know, uh, commenting on social media, uh, just, you know, one artist after another. Uh, he was uh, so well liked, and I remember that, you know, we we watched that documentary series Sonic Highways. We sure did. When the Foo Fighters put out an album of that name, and the whole point of the album was they went to different 
cities that were important to their career um, and recorded songs in different places. I think there were eight different locations and they filmed a miniature documentary for each of the eight locations. And the first episode, which kind of took me by surprise, the first episode was filmed in Chicago. Yes. Uh, it turns out that, and I didn't know this, you know, Dave Grohl was from Washington, D.C., but he had cousins who lived in the northern suburbs, I think in Evanston, uh, just north of Chicago. And he used to come and visit his cousins, and he talked about uh, one of his older cousins taking him to a place in the, back in the 1980s, a place called the Cubby Bear, which as you can imagine with a name like that is in the vicinity of Wrigley Field. Yep, uh, very popular spot. But at the time it was a bit of a dive. I mean, now it's a very popular place, but at the time it was a bit of a dive and in order to kind of keep afloat, they had live music performances. Um, and one of the bands that, that played there frequently was a sort of legendary Chicago punk band called Naked Reagan. By the way, I later found out that the name had nothing to do with Ronald Reagan, and I, I have to say I was a little disappointed because <laughs> <laughs> they were, they were uh, out making music around that time period. Um, actually, I think they started in the late 70s, but anyway, they're still around, actually. But it was, it was funny because I was pretty familiar with Naked Reagan. I knew who they were. I knew their music. Surprised me that Dave Grohl did. Um, but anyway, that series was really interesting. They did an episode in Chicago. They did one in Washington, D.C., which is where Dave Grohl came from. They did one in Nashville, one in um, New Orleans, yeah, one in uh, um, Seattle, of course. I can't remember all the other ones. They did one in Texas. I don't remember which city in Texas, but I remember Gary Clark Jr. was uh, featured in that episode. And that's the thing, is they played with local artists wherever they went. A really great behind-the-scenes documentary and of uh, their journey. Yeah, and one of the things that came out of it was you got to see the other band members more. Right. I mean, Dave Grohl, obviously, is hugely popular, but you kind of got a sense of Taylor Hawkins being like everybody's friend, and everybody loved him, and he was a lot of fun. So, you know, it's, it's always sad when it, and it, whenever anybody dies, but, but this was especially poignant given all the connections he made in the music business around the world. And how horrible when you're on tour away from your family and stuff right. like that. That's just kind of like they had to deal with all that. But it got me thinking a lot about how, you know, he's, he and Dave Grohl and the band as a whole you know, are on the on the one hand, great musicians, they put out great music, but they're also like genuinely likable people, you know? And and I think that's kind of kind of a rare thing. Um, where you have artists who are not only really, really skilled, but you kinda you wanna support them not just because they make great music, but also because they're likable people. And <laughs> You know, one of the hot topics and and uh, on the internet, on Al Gore's internet, as I like <laughs> to say, is this whole thing about you know cancel culture, which is a ridiculous concept, and I we can we could probably devote an entire episode to why there really is no such thing. But we talked a bit about the 
last week about the New York Times editorial that has, I think, justifiably been ridiculed um, mercilessly for the past week, where they were, you know, concerned about people not being able to speak their minds without being shamed, you know. And you hear this a lot in the music business. Some artists will say some ridiculously stupid thing, you know, and people will get upset and push back and maybe not be that thrilled uh, supporting that artist because of the dumb things that they said. And then other people say, well, you have to separate the art from the artist and you can't, you know, whatever. I'm not going to go into all that and I'm not going to, you know, tell people who they should or shouldn't listen to. But thinking about Taylor Hawkins' death and thinking about the Foo Fighters and how well-liked they are and how genuinely decent they all seem to be, it strikes me that in, in these difficult times where all, this bad, all these bad things are happening, you know, maybe it would be a good idea to talk a little bit about people like that instead of talking about artists who do stupid things. Yeah, celebrate the ones that are the good guys. <laughs> right, who are both um, very, very talented, but also, you know, just like good people that you want to support. Now, I'm not going to spend the half hour talking about Bruce as much as I'd like to talk <laughs> about Bruce. I very much think he fits that uh, the those uh, qualifications Absolutely. meets those qualifications however you want to say it. but we've talked enough about him but um, but uh, so don't think by omitting him I don't mean to suggest that he's not also one of the good people in the music business but on the other hand you know there's others that we haven't necessarily talked about or we've mentioned but haven't spent a lot of time talking about one of one of them is um, I would say a real life friend of ours. A personal friend. <laughs> a personal friend, someone who we know in the real world, and that's uh, New York uh, singer-songwriter Garland Jeffries. Uh, if you're not familiar with Garland Jeffries' work, go get familiar with it after after you listen to this. Yes. You know, finish the podcast first, and then right. go listen to Garland Jeffries' music. He had a big hit in the. 70s uh, with a song called Wild in the Streets. There have been a number of different covers of it. And then he had some success on MTV in the early 80s. He had a, an album called The Skate Artist that was pretty popular and had a couple of videos that were in pretty regular rotation. And he's done a lot of great music over the years. But um, he's not as well known as he should be. And so I always feel like we definitely want to underrated um, as far as what his reach is, um, but just a phenomenal artist. And he's a really fascinating person too because uh, he is uh, his his father was African American, and his mother was Puerto Rican, and he grew up in New York City. He's kind of like I think of him as sort of the poet laureate of New York, um, and. You know, he writes over the years, he's written a lot about sort of being at that intersection of, he, he's, he's a rock musician, although he's also heavily, um, a lot of reggae influence in his music. He's played with a lot of uh, rock musicians. He was good friends throughout his life with Lou Reed. He's, you know, occasionally uh, shown up at Bruce Springsteen concerts and things like that. Uh, but he's talked a lot about being, you know, in the sort of, in the, uh, the position of being a black artist, black and Puerto Rican artist, in kind of a predominantly white um, 
genre of music or what's become predominantly white. Uh, and, and in fact, one of his, his sort of comeback album in, in 2011 was called The King of In Between, because that's kind of the position he's in, you know, is navigating these different worlds. So he writes a lot about, um, you know, race, race issues and racism and so forth, but also just really, you know, uh, great music all the way around. And he's one of the nicest people so nice. you would ever want to meet. And his wife. And his wife, Claire, is really great. You know, we connected just through social media. I think I've mentioned this before. But when that 2011 album came out, he had been sort of just working behind the scenes and not touring and making music for some period of time. And then came out with this new album. And I'd been a fan of his going all the way back to the 80s. So I, you know, connected with him through you know Facebook and Twitter and so forth and we actually like got to know each other a bit and then he played in Chicago a few times we went to see him we got to we had the opportunity to talk to him after his shows and just you know actually we all became friends yeah and then he um, ended up retiring and so we uh, as soon as we found out that was happening a few years ago, we were able to fly to New York City and see his final performance, or one of his final performances at City Winery, which was amazing. And we still uh, we still keep in touch with him. One the the final the final performance is really interesting because so many different artists came out to play that night. Um, you know, so to honor him, guys like you know Chuck Prophet was there, Laurie Anderson, pretty amazing, mm -hmm. uh, Vernon Reed from Living Color, who's another person and another group we should mention in this vein um just all kinds of great artists uh, came to pay tribute to him james maddock um i'm, I'm sure i'm leaving people out. oh so ivan people. julian yep. was one of the great uh, punk guitarists of all time from richard hell and the voidoids um but just you know just all these people paying tribute to him because he was such an influential artist even though he never got kind of the big time uh, uh, recognition that he deserved. But speaking of Living Color, yes. uh, another great band, another supremely talented group. Fun, fun group. Maybe, at, you know, sort of at the pinnacle of both being extremely talented and also like really good people. Yes. Um, and Vernon Reed, the guitar player who's just, you know, an absolute virtuoso, is also just like one of the coolest people you know if you follow him on social media he's fascinating he's interesting he engages with people he's so he's an smart awesome photographer he's a great photographer <laughs> during the pandemic he, you know he lives in new york city he'd get on his bike and ride around and take these amazing pictures when it was empty and yeah. people were staying inside he just like toured you know, and sort of documenting mm -hmm. everything that was going on but just like an amazing person and like like profound like he really thinks a lot about music and art and you know the intersection of social issues and political issues and music um and but he's so willing to engage with people it's really really cool and they're just so good yeah they're so and talented we were also lucky to see them in concert in a small venue in a small venue uh just feet away from the stage yes 
Um, and one of the, their feet. <laughs> one of my favorite, my, one of my favorite things about that concert, and I think I may have mentioned this once before on the show, but uh, in the middle of, you know, one song, it came, I guess the song came to an end, whatever, but there's a quiet moment and someone way in the back of the crowd shouts out, we love you. Or maybe he said, I love you. I don't know what it was. And Corey Glover, the lead singer, just like looks out and kind of goes, I don't even know you, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. But I also thought it was kind of cool in a way. I mean, he was joking and it was right. people laughed and so forth. But I also thought it was kind of cool because it's like, you know, they're, they don't seem to want idol worship from their fans. And that's one of the things I think is so cool about Vernon is that, you know, he will talk about the admiration he has for other artists, but he's not shy about, um, you know, talking about the controversies they, they have gotten involved in. I won't go into the whole Eric Clapton thing, uh, but Clapton has been problematic throughout his career. Uh, and Vernon on social media has talked very frankly about his admiration for Eric Clapton as a guitar player and an artist, but, you know, some of the problematic things. If you don't know, Living Color are all black. Right. Um, they are one of the, the few, you know, black hard rock acts that is have managed to be successful in the recording industry. There's lots of black rock and rollers and a lot of black uh, hard rock artists, but unfortunately they don't get the attention because, you know, somehow or another the record industry still views them as an anomaly. But Living Color has been really successful at it. But so, you know, some of Eric Clapton's problematic things that he said over the years relate to uh, uh, whiteness and and immigration in the UK and so forth. Vernon Reed is actually from the UK. Anyway, so he he is able to talk about his admiration for an artist, talk about their skill, also talk about maybe, you know, uh, the problematic things they do, um, but doing it from kind of a dispassionate point of view and it really helps break it down and helps you think through these kind of difficult issues. So he's a great one. We also have to mention, we have to mention our, our favorite uh, Latin country artists. Oh, heck yeah. Uh, the Mavericks. Fan Huge fans. Fantastic group. Um, and also just like genuinely great people, like really likable, you know, smart. Um, I think I've even mentioned this before, but... They've been around for a long time. We went to see them on their 30th anniversary tour a couple years ago, and they kicked off the tour uh, during the month of June, which is Pride Month in the U.S., and they had this really cool logo, which was the, or not logo, but artwork, however you want to describe it. It was the number 30 where the, 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 uh, the zero in 30 was like a, a Day of the Dead skull with, yes. all, with all, because they have this heavy Latin influence. And um, they outlined the logo in the rainbow colors, you know, because it happened to be Pride Month. They didn't have to do that, you know, it was their 30th anniversary tour, but they did that, you know, in order to just show support for the community. I thought that was very cool. And that's another person who, um, during the pandemic, you got to know even much better because he would just do Raul a lot of Raul Mallow, the lead yeah. singer, 
would just like be in his living room and be do Facebook Live or something, and you could just like log in and he would just talk about his family and sing and stuff like that. So that was uh, really right. nice um, when they weren't able to tour during the pandemic. And on the country music theme, sticking with that, we have to mention one of our favorites who we've seen twice. Yeah, twice mm-hmm. uh, over the past a few years. Roseanne Cash. Yes. The daughter of, of course, Johnny Cash. Uh, but she's a great artist in her own right. Also extremely supportive of LGBTQ plus people and just a really cool uh, person. Extremely talented. Her husband, John Leventhal, is a great guitar player. Phenomenal guitar player. Uh, just really, really excellent artist, but just... And a fun fact about that is David and I got to see Johnny Cash in concert, and at Roseanne Cash's concert, her son performed, so we got to see all generations yeah. of them perform, which um, was... Three who generations. Who gets to do that? I mean, that's like so crazy. And and probably should mention in the same vein is, you know, Johnny Cash was like this. Heck he yeah. He was an amazing person, one of the most open-minded... I mean, if there's a definition of being open-minded, it's Johnny Cash. He listened to everybody. He, you know, he was a devoutly religious Christian who was fascinated by world religions, learned about world religions, never judged anybody based on what they believed in or whether or not they believed at all. And yet, you know, managed to maintain his own faith while also just being open to everybody and everything. And I think you see that in her music, you know, yes. just that 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 open-mindedness. And um, it, it's not, you know, people always want to use terms like acceptance and tolerance. It's much more than that. It's much more than just saying, okay, well, I'll allow you to exist in the same world as me. It's actually like embracing people who are different. Johnny Cash came from country music, but he loved Bob Dylan, you know, and he embraced this Jewish kid from Minnesota who was singing protest songs and anti-war songs and songs about the poor and songs about, you know, the downtrodden and so forth. And Johnny Cash, they were they were soulmates, you know, because he had the same this little, you know, this kid from a little town in Arkansas, dirt poor farmers in Arkansas and the Jewish kid from Minneapolis right. who who moved to New York City, you know, exactly. they were they were soulmates, right? Uh, in that sense, not in the romantic sense, <laughs> right. but I mean they were of a, they were just kindred spirits. Um, I'd also have to mention in the same regard, uh, sadly, also uh, no longer with us, but Joe Strummer and the Clash. Yes, the, you know I've said it before. Their philosophy was they were anti-fascist, anti-violence, and anti-racist. They were against ignorance and pro, you know, creativity. And um, they they were promoters of hip-hop before, you know, the vast majority of white people knew what hip-hop was. Joe Strummer wrote a song in the late 90s, so we're talking about 23 years ago, that was, you know, like pro-trans rights. A song called Diggin' the New. Um, you know, not something that other people were talking about yeah. in the late night. I mean, obviously, a lot of people were talking about it. But, I mean, it wasn't the subject that it is today. And, 
yet he was, you know, writing a song about it. Like, hey, this is something I think you should be aware of, and it's totally cool. I mean, that's pretty remarkable for someone who's 10 years older than I am, you know. Uh, so I think, I think that's pretty cool. Um, and another, speaking of Joe Strummer, I have to uh, mention one of his great friends who very fortunately is still with us, another great uh, punk icon from the UK, uh, uh, Billy Bragg, who is just uh, a huge supporter of the LGBTQ community generally, but specifically trans people. And you know, this is very controversial in the UK. There's a lot of, I mean, it's controversial everywhere. We shouldn't talk down to the British because we have our own problems here. But, um, but it's controversial there and you know, He's pretty frank about it. He's, you know, he says, I didn't know that much about it, so I learned, and I'm here to, you know, give people my full support, and it's amazing. And he's another older artist, you know. So uh, that's uh, pretty awesome. It is. I also have to, I need this, I'm just rambling on at this point, but I also have to mention our, our Tom Petty. Because it's coming up on five years since we saw him in concert last. I can't believe it's been that long. And, of course, unfortunately, it's coming up on five years since he passed away. We had no idea when we went to see him back in, in uh, 2017 that, you know, he was unfortunately not going to live too much longer. But there was a guy, too. You know, Tom Petty always sort of avoided controversy. He didn't get involved in a whole lot of political issues. But he was... Um, you know, he was a very open-minded person, too. You know, he was criticized years ago for, because he's from Florida, he's obviously from the South, um, he would sometimes have the Confederate flag, you know, as back, as in the background behind the stage or whatever when they were playing. And uh, he got some criticism for it. I don't know if he specifically got criticism, but he was aware of the fact that the, Con the, the flag was controversial. And so, again, you know, sort of like Billy Bragg um, with trans rights, he actually, like, listened. You know, he sat down and read up on it and listened to what people were saying and said, yeah, I get it. I understand why black folks would be offended by this. This I shouldn't do this. And was actually like a grown-up about it and said, oh, I didn't mean to offend anybody, but I understand why it is offensive. And I'm not going to do it anymore. Right. And was public about it. Didn't just, you know, quietly behind exactly. the scenes make a change. He was public about it. He talked about it in, in interviews. So uh, I, I think, you know, nobody's perfect. We all make mistakes. But not that many people are adult enough to admit they make mistakes and actually do something about it. So anyway, uh, we miss Tom Petty quite a bit. We do. We were lucky to see him um, for the last time. Yeah, without, without And just like another that. band, I think all those bands have a common theme, is that even though they've performed for decades, like the joy that they bring their audience and the um, just amazing, um, just, it, just so great how um, enjoyable it is, especially like the Mavericks, because they've been playing for so long. It's like they've played for the very first time. They're just right. excited about it and just go gung-ho. And also, in the same vein, because we saw we saw them together, yes. uh, another uh, band that, that fits that bill uh, to a T is Los Lobos, the great 
uh, Mexican-American band that came out of Los Angeles in the, in the 80s. They've been around for, I don't know, going on 40 years now. And they used to play um, quite often at a bar like where we used to live, like right down the block from us. Yeah. And they've been, you know, they're another band that, um, aside from being like incredibly talented, you know, they're always on the right side of things. And I know that sounds very political, but you know what? That that's what I believe. Yeah, <laughs> they're always on the right side of things. So we've talked about a lot in a very short period of time. We're coming up on time, but any one of these artists—Garland Jeffries, uh, the Mavericks, Living Color, Vernon Reed, The Clash, Joe Strummer—go listen to some Joe Strummer solo music. It, it didn't uh, get a lot of attention here in the U.S., but it did he, not. his solo music is fantastic. Tom Petty. Johnny Cash, Roseanne Cash, Los Lobos, these are all just great artists, and you don't have to worry <laughs> <laughs> about the things they said or did. Right. Uh, but in any event, so those are some recommendations from us. Highly recommended. Hope you uh, enjoyed the show. Hope you learned some new uh, music to listen to. And... Uh, we will. Um, we're gonna do a next um, this week a second episode or another right. episode. That's right. Um, on Wednesday is the Transgender Day of, of Visibility. Um, so we're gonna talk a little bit about a what that is and who started it and what it's all about. Yep. So uh, if you get a chance, uh, leave us a comment if you're interested in this episode or have any thoughts, and we'll uh, post again uh, midweek on Trans Day of Visibility. Um, hopefully all is well with you. Stay safe. And you can listen to us wherever you download your podcast. Good night. Good night.